book is so awesome. I can do anything. This book is so awesome. I am the potions king. Did you hear that half book prince? I said I was the king. Can you hear me, Professor Snape? I can make anything. This book is so awesome. Hi, my name is Joel Watson. I'm Lily Watson. And you're listening to Potter and Daughter, the Harry Potter podcast, where I talk to my seven-year-old daughter as she reads through the Harry Potter book series. Hi, Lily. Hi. How you doing? Good. So we're going to start, this is our first episode, uh, and talk about Harry Potter book one, The Sorcerer's Stone, or as it's originally called, The Philosopher's Stone. Mm -hmm. Did you know it had a different name? Yeah, my mom told me. Your mom? Yeah. Okay, that's my wife. We know the same person is what I'm saying. I know. Okay. <laughs> so uh, you read this book with mommy. Don't put your freezing feet on me. My goodness. <laughs> Why are your feet so cold? I don't know. You read this book with mommy probably, what, three or four months ago? Maybe. Do you remember any of it? Uh, yeah, I actually remember about half of it. About half of it? Well, I, I hope some of, uh, some of my uh, guide here can jog your memory. So... Uh, Overall, what did you know about Harry Potter going into it? Did you know anything before you started the books? Uh, actually, yeah, I did. Um, I've seen little bits and parts of the movies before I start. Um, before I started actually getting into it. Yeah, that's because me and mommy watch them nearly constantly. <laughs> yeah, and um, she and mommy, she always. Um, watches every Harry Potter weekend. Harry Potter weekend on ABC Family That's is the downfall of our productivity as a family unit. Every time, it, every time they do that, we just shut down and watch wizard movies for about four days. Yeah, pretty much. And then uh, don't accomplish anything we had planned for that weekend. No. <laughs> so you had seen bits and pieces of the movies. What did you What did you know about Harry Potter before you started reading? Um, mostly I knew that, um, his, that his parents died Mm -hmm. and he went to his, um, um, to his aunt and uncle's house, which it was a pretty terrible life there. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's, it's interesting that you mentioned he, that his parents died because the first chapter of the first book is called The Boy Who Lived. What does The Boy Who Lived mean? Do you know? Um, yeah, I think it does. Uh, I think, I mean, I think I do know what it means. Mm-hmm. I think it means that, um, they have that title for Harry because, um, his entire family, um, died except for his aunt and uncle mm-hmm. because, um, and his cousin because those are his only living relatives. So that's, that's where he had to go to live. Um, well, by his entire family died, basically you mean his mother and father, right? Yes, bas- yeah. Okay, so you but, you've got a pretty good pretty good handle on on Harry's current situation at the beginning of book one. Yeah, and um and um, a lots of lots of people that Voldemort killed. Oh, we're getting too far ahead. We need to we need to reset here and and, oh. and uh, so so as the book opens, um, you see this guy Vernon Dursley. Uh, on his way to work, and he's having uh, some unusual occurrences. He keeps seeing cats in places that he's not expecting to see cats, and he sees a cat reading a map. And I remember one part in the book. I don't know if it's in the movie or not. I don't really remember. Mm-hmm. But I do remember that it's in the book. Um, on the way to work, 
um, or at work, he saw owls flying in midday? Um, th- that that is afterward. That's that's ten years later. Oh, that's we'll we'll get there. Unless I'm mistaken, I'm pretty sure that's ten years later. So, so uh, yeah. So I was okay. So anyway, Vernon encounters uh, a cat reading a map, and uh, and then you uh, see we're outside. Uh, Privet Drive, uh, sort of a quiet, dark town street, uh, but just an average town in England. Mm-hmm. Nothing special about it. Not really. And uh, there is a old man in a cloak and a hat, and he's got an odd item with him that does something very unusual. Do you remember what it is? Um, is this at night? Yes, it's at night. Okay, yes, I think I remember what this um what this is. Um so he's in a dark he's in a black cloak, it's night. All the street lights are on mm-hmm. and he has a very peculiar gadget mm-hmm. with him. Um I think you like click a button or something and it sends out an electrical wire wire or something and it turns out all the street Well, it's not electrical cuz it's magic. Oh. Anyway, um, it turns out all the street lights. Yeah, in the, in the in this first book, they call it a put outer. Oh yeah. And very soon after that, they start calling it a deluminator. Yeah. Which means, you know, no light. But uh, yeah, so he he turns out all the light in the street, and then he's joined by uh, the cat, mm-hmm. who turns into an old lady. Mm-hmm. And then what happens next? Um, I'm trying to remember. Somebody else shows up. I think it's an another um, wizard, mm-hmm. but I don't remember his name. Some, oh, you know who it is. It's somebody on a flying motorcycle. Oh, yeah, that's right. I couldn't remember um, wh- which wizard it was. Um, it, it was Hagrid. Yeah, so Hagrid shows up on a flying motorcycle, and he's got a baby with him, and they, they exchange some words... And they uh, leave the baby on the doorstep. In a basket. In a basket. And the uh, older wizard, who we now know as Professor Dumbledore, mm-hmm. the headmaster of Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry, yep. leaves a note with the baby. Oh, he does? Mm-hmm. Well, they don't just leave him there and expect the people at the door to take care of him, right? Mm, I... I... Don't know if they would or not. <laughs> well, based on what we now know about the Dursleys, I bet they uh, they wouldn't go out of their way to help anybody. If I had to guess, especially their especially um, their um, um, especially Harry. Yeah, and and honestly, that brings up a good point. Um, would they have been nicer to a stranger than they were to Harry? They might have been. <laughs> Yeah. They, they they particularly hate Harry uh, because of what he represents and and uh, and what happened to his mom and who his mom was and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. um, so I guess that's kind of uh, you know I th- I think had someone just left a, a strange baby on their doorstep and said please take care of this baby you're not related to him and he's not a wizard they would have been much nicer to him. But I, uh, I bet so. All right, so that's our first chapter, and we move on to uh, sort of flash forward in the future about ten years later. Chapter two, The Vanishing Glass. Um, Harry is 11 years old now, or he's turning 11 years old. 
Yeah, right, um, I think right now he's about 10 years old and he's going to turn 11 he's soon. He's about to turn 11 soon. Uh, explain to me Harry's living condition, who he lives with and how he lives. He lives with um, Uncle Vernon, Aunt Petunia, and his, co- his and Harry's cousin Dudley. Dudley, the worst. I know, right? So what else? What's his What's his situation like with the Dursleys? Really, um, right now he he lives in a cupboard under the stairs with with a bed, and that's pretty much it. Well, obviously, that's because they don't have any extra rooms in the house for him, right? I think. They actually do. What? <laughs> if they have extra rooms, why wouldn't they let Harry have a room? They hate him. Oh my goodness! What are they doing with the extra room? Um, they're putting all of um Dudley's um toys that can't fit in his own room. Oh, in he's there. got two rooms. Well, obviously, if 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 Dudley's got two rooms full of toys, Harry's got at least one room full of toys, right? Yeah. No. No. He's got no toys. He's got nothing. <laughs> I know, I'm just being ridiculous. Yeah, he's got he's he's got nothing. And they, they, they treat him pretty bad. Um I, I think when he wakes up he's uh before they all wake up, he's making breakfast for everybody. I think so. They treat him kinda like a maid. Mm-hmm. And they uh and they're certainly not very nice to him. No. <laughs> Do you remember what Aunt Petunia does uh for Harry's clothes? Um no, I don't. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, I was about to say I didn't, but then I remembered. Um, he, um, they don't buy him new clothes. Mm-hmm. He just uses Dudley's old clothes, and it's way too big for him anyway. And she dyes them gray so that they're not attractive clothes anymore. I don't remember that part. Yeah, she goes out of her way to make sure not only is he wearing clothes that don't fit, and clothes that aren't new, and clothes that aren't for him, but she also dyes the color out of them so that they're drab and boring, as if just to make sure that he knows his place in their family, which is as low as it could possibly be, right? Pretty much. So it's Dudley's birthday, and Dudley's complaining uh, because he, he wants to make sure he's got more presents than he had last year, right? Yes, at least one more present than he had last year. So what do you what do you think about somebody who's concerned more with the amount of things they get versus the uh, quality of the things they get or of the people in their life? Very greedy. Mm-hmm. Because if somebody gives something to you, then then you should be grateful with what you've got. I think so too. I, I mean, think I mean most kids don't even get like. 15 presents each year. What was he getting? Something like 30 or 40? Yeah, about 30, 38, 39. Something like that. Now, do you think it's his fault? Do you think Dudley decided to be this way, or do you think it's more the Dursley's fault? I think it's more the Dursley's fault because they're teaching him to act terrible. So how did Harry end up not like this? Because if he was raised by the same people, um, because for like a year or so he was raised by good people, and um, they taught him, um, and they and his mom and dad, they taught him um, to be nice. So he just stuck with that for the rest of his life. Well, he was only up to a year old, 
so he might not remember any lessons they would have tried to teach him, but maybe the love they showed him just stuck. Maybe it... That's uh, kind of what I'm saying. Okay. Also, I think maybe uh, maybe the Dursleys didn't actually try and raise Harry at all. I think they just kind of ignored him. Yeah, that's Which, pretty much it. I think they actually said that in the book, actually. Might, might, be, might, might have been for the best. Because had they raised him, had they actually paid attention to him, he'd probably turn out like Dudley. Probably. The world doesn't need two Dudleys. No. The world doesn't need one Dudley. <laughs> really doesn't need any Dudleys yeah, at all. None at all. So they go to the zoo for Dudley's birthday, and uh, they, they end up in the reptile cage. And what happens when they get there? Um, the Dursley family is going over somewhere else, and... Harry is just looking at a completely different thing at the other side of the room. It's a snake. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for some reason, he can talk to snakes. And the snake can talk to him, and they can understand each other. And, and Harry is certainly surprised by this, but it's not, not quite blowing his mind yet, right? Not really. I think, I think he may think that it has to do something with wizards. Or magic or something. Well, he doesn't know that that's a possibility yet, but he does know that he uh, gets startled and then something very magical happens. Do you remember? Yes. Um, right, right as he's leaning against um, the glass and they're talking about the snake wanting to be free and they're, and how common they are with each other and stuff, This um, the glass just disappears in, into thin air, and the snake slithers out of its cage and scares everybody. So you think the snake and Harry have something in common? Yes. What, what do they have in common? Um, that, that they kind of both want to be free, just, like, be treated naturally. Um, kind of like... The so the snake's all locked up and, and can't do what a snake's supposed to do, and Harry doesn't really understand... That he's meant for bigger and better things, that he should be a wizard among wizards mm-hmm. and, and being able to do magic. But he knows that something's missing. He knows that something's not quite right about his life, right? Right. So he, he feels kind of a a uh, empathy for the snake, sort of a kinship where maybe him and the snake are similar. And in feeling that way, the glass disappears and the snake is set free. The snake says he's going to go back to Brazil. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know this happens in the movie. I don't 100% remember if it happens in the book. But in the movie, Dursley falls into the snake pit. Uh, yeah, he does. And then gets trapped. The glass comes back. Yeah, that, that happens. Okay. So, so the Dursleys at this point know what's going on. No one else, not even Harry knows what's going on. No. But they know that there's magic afoot. Because they know about... Um, they know about Harry's mom and dad and, um, how they're, they were both wizards. Mm-hmm. Um, so they figured that if... And they thought wizards were super cool, right? Yeah, um, what, wait, no. No, no. <laughs> you, you almost got me. No, they didn't, they didn't like that, uh, that Petunia's sister was a wizard. No way. They thought she was kind of a freak show. Kind of. Even though she was born, um, even though she was born a muggle, um, um, she 
grew up and became a wizard. Yeah, she was she was born into a muggle family. Now, well, okay, so this is our first episode. So, so what what's a muggle? A muggle is a person who doesn't believe in magic. Sort of. A muggle is a person who doesn't know about magic because they aren't magical. You don't really have to believe in magic. You're just sort of born that way. Mm. So whether you believe in it or not, or not doesn't change who you are. If you have magic in you or not, I suppose. Yeah. So yeah, so they find out that her sister Lily is a is a witch. They're not too happy about it. It's actually funny because my name is Lily too. That is true. You are not named after Lily Potter because <laughs> we had not yet read no. any of these books when you were born. But uh, one thing interesting in this chapter is that Harry offers to stay home. He doesn't even want to go to the zoo because he knows he's not going to have any fun because it's going to be all about uh, Dudley and he's not going to get to do anything he wants to do. So. And Aunt Petunia says, and come back and find the house in ruins? Yes. What do you, What is she letting on there? What does she know that Harry doesn't know? Um, That he's probably a wizard like his mom and dad. I wonder, and so she probably realizes too that the magic started to happen around this time, 10 or 11 years old. So they're, they're probably expecting the worst right now. Really? I think so. Yeah. Also, the last time Harry was left alone in a house, it got blown up. It did, yes. <laughs> by an evil wizard. So uh, next chapter is Letters from No One. This is where uh, the mail starts to arrive at Privet Drive. Mm-hmm. And uh, Uncle Vernon is having none of it. Tell me about this unusual mail that starts to arrive at their at the Dursley's house. Um, for some reason, I think the first day they send Harry a letter, but Uncle Vernon won't let him read it. It's the first letter that's ever been addressed to Harry. He's never gotten mm-hmm. mail before. No, really, no. But what, what's the letter look like? It's kind of, it doesn't look like a regular uh, piece of mail. I know. That's what I'm trying to figure out. I don't remember. Well, it's on it's on nice parchment paper, and it's handwritten, and there's no stamp on it, and there's a big wax seal keeping it closed. Wax seal? It's uh, melted wax oh. with a stamp in it. Probably has a big H on it, if I had to guess. I think so, yeah. Okay. Um, so anyway, it does look really odd, and no... And it doesn't look anything like a muggle letter at all. So, so uh, Uncle Vernon throws this letter out. They keep coming. Uh, they they crack open an egg, and there's a letter inside it. Letters come flying in the uh, chimney. Chimney, and then eventually there's owls everywhere, delivering these letters. So where do they go? How do they escape this uh, onslaught of mail? Um. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, this is the point where. Um, they, um, leave Privet Drive and the town itself in. Mm-hmm. Is it Little Whinging? Yeah, I don't remember the name of that town. I think it's Little Whinging. That's weird. Yeah, it is. Well, anyway. It's a um, very, very fake British-sounding town. They left the town, um, and they, um, just went somewhere away, um, so they could, um be away from home um, or something, and they went um, to the, like, pretty much 
I think like the worst home you, you could ever have. <laughs> Where is it? Um, it's in the middle of a river. It's in, it <laughs> seems like it's in the ocean. Well, kind of, yeah. Um, and there's just this big hill that can fit that can fit one house, and there was a house there, and then. Um, once they find it... It was a nice house, though, right? No. No. What kind of house was it? It was all kind of broken down. Yeah, it was a shack. Not pretty at all. It seemed like it's been up for about a thousand years. And then there's a horrible storm. Waves are crashing. Wind's blowing. Lightning, thunder. And Harry, everyone's asleep. And Harry's realizing that it's his birthday. But no one cares. Because no one celebrates Harry's birthday. Oh. Um, of course not, because they hate him. So an interesting thing about Harry's situation uh, at this point is that he he knows that things have happened. Weird things have happened in his life when he's gotten angry or upset. Glass has disappeared. He's talked to snakes. But no one's really explained it all. He might just think he's a weirdo. He doesn't know what's going on. Now all this mail's flying in, and there's obviously a secret being kept. Do you think that he suspects anything at this point? Maybe, um, don't really remember, but I think he kind of does. You'd have to think something's up if there are hundreds and thousands of letters flying magically into your house and then you're... With no stamps and they look ridiculous. Well, that's the other thing, too, is since there's no stamps, um, when a... You gotta figure when a, uh, a magical family gets a letter from Hogwarts, it's usually delivered by a Hogwarts official. And when a, or it's delivered by an owl. And when a non-magical family ends up with a magical child, somebody from Hogwarts shows up to talk to them about it and explain your child's a wizard. And but, here's, here's what wizarding's about. Harry uh, gets none of that because they're not a magical family, so they don't normally receive owl post. And Hogwarts knows that... The family already knows he's a wizard, so they don't have to send someone. So who do you think is making all these letters torment Uncle Vernon so much? It seems like somebody's doing it uh, on purpose to get a particular reaction out of him. Um, I think it's um, it's Dumbledore and Professor McGonagall or something. If I had to guess, it would be Dumbledore because he seems to enjoy a practical joke. And this seems like it's sort of... Uh, driving Uncle Vernon crazy on purpose. I think Dumbledore knows no matter what, Harry's coming to Hogwarts. So if I can torment you with these letters because you're awful people, then uh, all the better. What do you think? Yeah, pretty much. Okay, so in our next chapter, uh, we're, we meet a new character who's going to be very important in Harry's life. It's called the Keeper of the Keys. Uh, so somebody busts into the shack... And uh, causes a, a startle for everyone. Tell me about this person and what they say. Um, this person is very large, almost a giant to um, mm -hmm. muggle people. Compared to a regular person, I'd say he is a giant. Yes. He's like 10 to 12 feet tall. Yeah, pretty much bigger than the average grown-up. Um, so anyway, he's really, really big. Um, most muggles would think he would, he would be a giant. Mm -hmm. And... Um, he is, 
he has like a very shaggy beard and mm -hmm. he grows out his and he grows out his hair a lot. Mm -hmm. And they kind of combine so it all just looks like one big fuzzy mess, right? Yeah. And What about his clothes? His clothes, that's just what I was about to say. Um I don't know if they say this in the movie, but in the book it said that he had um like maybe a a jacket that looked like maybe just a million pockets just stitched together. Mm -hmm. I would imagine if you're about 10 to 12 feet tall, it's hard to buy clothes at a store. I bet it kind of is. So he probably had to make some of his own clothes or, or get someone to make them for him. I bet so. So he busts in and what's his name? His name is Hagrid. What's his first name? Do you remember? Um, Is it Rubius? Rubius Hagrid. And uh, Rubius Hagrid uh, introduces himself as the keeper of keys and grounds at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. And, um... As if everyone already knows what that means. Um, can I see say the other thing that he is? Yeah, go ahead. He is gamekeeper at Hogwarts, too. Uh, not yet. Oh, he's not? I don't think so. I think that is one of the jobs he gets after book two. Oh. I'm not 100% sure. He might be gamekeeper. He, he he introduces himself as the keeper of keys and grounds, and by grounds that means sort of maintenance of, you know, the bushes and the shrubs and the grass and the trees. and <laughs> I don't know. If a brick falls off the wall, he probably fixes it. He's, he's like a handyman or something. <laughs> so uh, so he, he busts in and he, he introduces himself to Harry. He gives him a little birthday cake. Because uh, it's his birthday, right? It's kind of all smashed up. Because he sat on it. Yeah. Because he flew in on a uh, flying motorcycle, I believe. I, yes. And uh, do you know why Hagrid uses that motorcycle? Um, To get around quicker? Well, yeah, but he's too big for brooms and to fly on magical animals. So he, he would, he fits on the motorcycle, so he... Um, just made it magical so it could fly. It was already a magical motorcycle. It belonged to somebody else. Oh. It belonged to a friend of James and Lily's named Sirius Black. But we'll hear more about him later. Yeah. So, uh... I believe it's the third book. Yeah, so he, uh, he can't fly on brooms, so he flies on a magical motorcycle. And, uh, what's he tell Harry? He tells Harry that he's a wizard. You're a wizard, Harry. <laughs> and he and he can't believe it, right? No. And he says, not a wizard, eh? Never made anything happen when you were scared or angry. And then Harry thinks about it. Mm -hmm. And I think he realizes that um, almost every time he was really scared or really angry, um, he has made something... Not muggle-like happen. <laughs> Not muggle-like, yes. Magical, perhaps. I couldn't think of it any okay. other way to say it. Oh, oh hi, kitty. <laughs> Sorry, that's our cat. Did you have something to share? <laughs> Why don't you go away? <laughs> Shh, be quiet. We're recording. Quiet cat. Unless you have something to add about Harry Potter. <laughs> okay, good. He's gone. Weirdo. <laughs> Sorry. So, uh, where were we before that interruption? 
So uh, <laughs> Hagrid tells Harry that he's a wizard and that he's been invited to uh, come to Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. And uh, the Dursleys he freak is, out. And yeah, he says you're you're breaking and entering, and you you can't be here, and you're not taking him, you know, over our dead bodies. And Hagrid is extremely upset that they have not told him anything about his life or about wizards in general. Uh, Try to keep everything wizard-like sort of just a secret. Yeah, and and, and so he tells Harry a bit about his life. He, He tries to tell them about his parents and how they were killed, and he doesn't want to say Voldemort's name. He says they were killed by, you know, you know who. That's what pretty much everybody calls him. Yeah, and he also doesn't, he, he can't remember how to spell Voldemort either uh, when he tries to tell Harry about it. No, I don't think he can. And then, uh, and then uh, what does, uh, what does Dudley do? Uh, I think he maybe is mean to Harry or makes fun of him or something. He takes Harry's cake. Oh, yeah, that's right. And what does Hagrid do? I think Hagrid um, puts a little pigtail on him. Yeah, because he's eating like a pig. Yeah, I couldn't remember if that was Harry or Hagrid. No, Harry doesn't know how to do things on purpose yet, but Hagrid... Oh, yeah, that's right. Hagrid mentions that he's not supposed to be doing anything like that, and that Harry should keep that a secret. As a matter of fact, every time Hagrid does a little bit of magic... Yes, Harry, or and his friends to keep it a secret. Yeah. We don't know why yet, but we know that for some reason, Hagrid does not seem to be allowed to use magic. And the other thing I remember is, uh, at least from the movie, and this is probably also from the book, that uh, Hagrid tells the Dursleys who invited Harry. It was the greatest wizard that ever lived, Albus Dumbledore. Yes. And they, I- they say something bad about Dumbledore. I don't remember what. But uh, Hagrid gets very defensive about Dumbledore, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that shows that he's he's going to be very loyal to Dumbledore. Yes. He trusts him a lot. So Hagrid gathers up Harry. I would assume he doesn't have any belongings with him, probably just the clothes on his back. Pretty much. And they take him, uh, I, he takes him by boat, which is presumably the only way the Dursleys have of getting off and on that rock. So I think they're trapped there. If I'm, you know, if if they take his only boat. And uh but wait. If he has a flying motorcycle then maybe he doesn't have the motorcycle at this point. No, he does cuz he says he sat on the cake. I don't remember exactly how that works, but I know they leave by boat because also Hagrid says uh do you mind if I speed things up and he makes the boat go faster with magic and tells yeah. Harry not to not to tell anyone about that. I remember that. So our next chapter is Diagon Alley. Tell me about Diagon Alley. Uh, uh. You don't remember? I can't really describe it very much. It, um. It's like the mall. It's like the wizard mall. Yeah, kind of. When you hear the name Diagon Alley, um, for me, it kind of... Um, seems like we're talking about a really shabby place. But it's not. Uh-huh. It's not. It's, it's uh, really a pretty nice place. It's a cool place. It's a, it's an yeah. open open street market with a lot of different shops and a lot of different uh, wizarding establishments. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, Hagrid is sort of just unloading information on Harry, just years and years and years of things that he should have been growing up with, but he he doesn't know any of this stuff, and so it's. So he so Hagrid is kind of trying to catch him up really quick. He's trying to. How do you think Harry feels about all this new information, though? Kind of odd. Overwhelmed, I would say. Probably, uh, you know, too much to take in, especially. Kind of like, dude, calm down, calm down, <laughs> sl- slow down. I can't, right. I can't hear a thing you're saying. Dude, exactly. <laughs> and uh, especially when they enter the secret entrance to, to uh, Diagon Alley and Harry sees, I think, probably his first big magical thing, which is all of the bricks moving and rotating and getting out of his way. He's never really seen anything quite that yeah, extraordinary I, before. I remember that. Um, I think th- that um, they're trying to do that um, at Harry Potter Land, but they didn't make it. It It's more of a... Yeah, I've seen how it works. The, the bricks don't actually move, but if you watch somebody go through it, it looks... Uh, Oh no, they they do it at a they do a platform nine and three quarters thing. It looks like somebody is walking through a wall, but but when you're doing it yourself, you, it doesn't look that way. But the diagon alley, they actually just the bricks are already open because there was no realistic way for them to make that happen. Mm. I think they would actually need magic to make that happen. Mm. So uh, the first stop, uh, he's sort of pointing out all the all the sites and everything they're seeing at diagon alley. The first stop is to Gringotts Wizarding Bank. Mm-hmm. Why do they go there? Because that's where all Harry's wizard savings are. Why? Harry doesn't even know that he has money. How does he have money? Uh, I'm trying to remember that. Um, don't really remember. Um, I think people maybe send it to no, him? No, it's, it's because his family already had money. And oh, yeah. when they died, it all got left to Harry, but it's just been sitting in the bank for ten years. Oh, yeah, that's right. I remember that. And does Harry have a little bit of money? He has a lot of money. He has a lot of money. He's, like, kind of maybe rich, even. Kind of. But he's not really sure how much wizard money is worth. And honestly, in the books, it's it's not very clear either. One thing that the, the person who wrote these books has said many times is that she's not very good with consistency on the numbers in the books. So sometimes it seems like a galleon's worth about 10 bucks, and sometimes it seems like it's worth about 50. Sometimes about 30. Yeah, so it, it fluctuates. But, uh, but it's safe to assume that a galleon is worth probably between 20 and 50 dollars, and Harry's got a ton of galleons. He's got yeah. stacks and stacks of gold. He has like at least a thousand dollars, probably. I would say a lot more than a thousand dollars. I think he's. I think he's got enough money that he uh, probably does not have to worry about money uh, long term. In the wizarding world, anyway. At least, yeah. They, yeah, they don't buy they don't buy Muggle stuff, and they don't know about Muggle money or how it works, or they don't have any use for it. But um, I don't, I don't know if Harry knows either because. No, he does. Oh, um, I, w- I didn't know if he did because um, he's never really owned money before. He's been around it enough to know what it is and how it works. Mm. But he's probably never been given any money of his own, I, I would imagine. Uh, and Hagrid has another piece of business at the uh, bank. Do you remember what that is? Mm. He tells the goblin, I'm on Hogwarts business. 
They have to visit a second vault. Uh, no, I don't remember that. He's been sent there by you-know-who to pick up the you-know-what in vault you-know-where. <laughs> which you remember which that? pretty much no one understands. Well, the goblin does, and it's that Dumbledore has sent him <laughs> to pick up a package that's very secret. So pretty much you can um, give no information about this because you said the you-know-what, you-know-who, you-know-where. Yeah. <laughs> So he's getting Harry's money. He's picking up a special package. Tell me about uh, the uh, the inside of the vault. Um, or not the vault, but the inside of the, the underground part of the bank. I think it's like, it sort of looks like a little roller coaster or it's something. It's a lot like a roller coaster, yeah. So they ride sort of a rail car, and it loops and twists and bends, and there's underground caves, and there's... Mm-hmm. Lots of spells for protection to keep yeah. it safe. And then there's keys to open the vaults. Mm-hmm. Who runs the bank? Um, I think it's the goblins. Yeah, the goblins. Do you remember what they're like? Sort of what their characteristics are? Uh, kind of sharp. Um, like pointy? Yeah, kind of a little... Like, we can't let anybody steal this stuff... Um, we need to keep it safe. <laughs> so they're, they're good with uh, security. They're good with money. They're good with numbers. They're very short. Mm-hmm. They have pointy ears and pointy noses. And uh, sort of a, uh, I think they have sharp teeth and maybe sharp fingernails. They do. They, they look a little monstrous, but. Yeah, they kind of look a little creepy, but. They also don't seem like they're super outgoing and nice. Like maybe they're very serious all the time. They kind of are, actually. So they got Harry's money. They head to some of the other stores. Do you remember some of the things they buy? Um, I think they buy, like, Harry's first broom and um, the books he needs to um, have and stuff. I don't remember if they buy a broom. I know they get books. I know they get probably a cauldron. Oh, right. I know that they uh, get robes. I remember that. Um, the first years aren't allowed to... Right a broom yet. Yeah. So they get uh, they get his robes. They get probably his school clothes. But this is a very important moment for Harry because it's the first time in his entire life that anyone has bought him anything for him. Yeah. These are actually the first clothes he's ever owned that are his clothes. That he has, that somebody has, other than him, is not used before. Yeah, these are not hand-me-downs. This is... The, the first clothes and the first items and the first things that are actually his. Brand new, big, bright and color, big, bright and colorful. They actually have some style to them. Yeah. What do you? What do you? How do you think he feels about this? I think he feels really excited and kind of weird at the same time. It, it, it's a lot to take in, but I think I think he's happy to have this this. Instant change in his situation. I know, that's kind of what I'm saying. And he runs into, uh, he goes to Madame Malkin's, which I believe is where he gets his uh, robes. And he meets a new person there. Do you remember who he meets there? I think it's, I think it's, um, Draco Malfoy? Yeah, and they hit it off instantly and they're best friends for the next seven books, right? No. Mm, Are you sure? Yes. 
I don't know. Malfoy is, the, mo- n- mo- is the nicest guy he's ever met. <laughs> they hang out every weekend. <laughs> they play video games. <laughs> right? No, they're like enemies. They hardly ever want to see each other. No, 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 no. You're thinking of a different guy. Malfoy... <laughs> He's got slick back blonde hair. <laughs> nicest guy ever. He takes Harry under his wing. He shows him the robes. He's big smile on his face. Big smile on his face. He's nice to everybody. <laughs> no, of course not. Draco Malfoy. No way. Of the people in Harry's life, he might actually be more vile than the Dursleys in a lot of ways. What 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 what's uh do, do you remember he doesn't immediately start off insulting Harry, he's impressed because he knows who Harry Potter is. Yes, and he's very impressed to run into him. And he says uh, something like, you know, you don't want to hang with the wrong sort, Potter. I'll teach you who the good wizards are and who the bad wizards are and stuff like that. Pretty much. Yeah, so he he thinks he's going to have an ally in Harry. And, I don't know, does Harry fall for it? Do you think he sees through Malfoy's... I think he kind of sees that... He looks a little like a bad guy because, you know, he kind of has, like, a fake smile on his face all the time. Sure. Like, kind of, I have a smile, but I'm not meaning it literally. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's a pretty good assessment of his character. And he says, uh, Father says it's a crime if I'm not picked to play for my house, and I must say I agree. So he wants to be... uh, on the Quidditch team, right? Yes. But you can't be uh, in the Quidditch team until you're in the second year, but we'll find more about that later in the book. Sure. So Malfoy's obviously not the coolest cat Harry's ever run into. No. And uh, then they head over to Ollivander's. What kind of shop is Ollivander's? Um, I don't remember. It's the wand shop. Oh, yeah. That's right. And so Harry goes and uh, tests out wands. Mm-hmm. He pays, um, let's see, I had this I had this written down. He pays dude, dude, seven galleons. Wow. Which is probably between 60 and $100 for a wand. Wow. But Ollivander is the best wand maker in the world. Actually, it is. So he seems like it seems like a pretty good deal for an Ollivander wand. It really does. So what happens with the first few wands he tries out? They kind of act up and go crazy. Yeah, they blow stuff up. They're they're too powerful, or they don't they don't listen to him because they're not the right wands for him. So what's the deal with a wand? Like you can just use any wand you want, right? No, you you have to figure out which one is like kind of. Your thing, like it works for you. So you have to, you have to match a wizard with the right wand. Yeah. But the wizard chooses the wand. No. How does it work? Kind of the wand chooses the wizard. Okay, so Ollivander gets sort of a strong suspicion that there might be a particular wand that would work well for Harry. But what's weird about this wand? It's kind of weird because, um, this is the same. This is like. The same one, his mortal enemy, um, yeah, um, is that right? Enemy. Enemy, yeah. Um, his mortal enemy has. It's that the core of the wand is shared with the core of... A pretty evil one. The one that gave him his scar. Yeah. So he learns right off the bat that 
uh, it's sort of the, it's sort of the first time that the reality of his parents being murdered and that act giving him a scar is sort of brought uh, up to the forefront. It's the first time he's had to face anything real other than a. I mean, he's just heard the story yesterday. I know. So he doesn't even know he's he doesn't even know what his scars from. No, he doesn't. But Ollivander tells him, uh, you know, that um, this is the the twin of the wand that gave you that scar. Yeah, and um, the um, phoenix that gave that feather only gave one other feather, and mm-hmm. and it's in the wand that gave you that scar. So there's three different kinds of wand cores. There's phoenix feather. Um, what there's else? Unicorn hair mm-hmm. and dragon's heartstring. And those are all difficult things to get, which means wands are unique and very special. And then they also have, you know, a dozen different kinds of wood. So there's lots of different variations. But but it's odd that Harry would be drawn to, or the wand would be drawn to Harry when its twin is it's, the one that almost killed him and did kill his parents. Yes, and it's very evil and gave Harry the scar that... Almost killed him, actually. And and Ollivander says, I think we must expect great things from you, Mr. Potter. After all, he who must not be named did great things. Terrible, yes, but great. So we know he who must not be named, right? Mm -hmm. So what do you think he means the things that he who must not be named did were great? He did very powerful things. They weren't necessarily good, but um, he did them very powerfully, and he was always very glad with what he did. He was certainly pleased with his actions. Yeah, he he did. Um, but he did. Yeah, he did very big things, even though they were evil. They had a lot of impact on the world. And I think one of the last things they pick up is. Uh, a familiar for Harry. Do you know what a familiar is? No. Familiar is the animal that a wizard or witch keeps as a pet. Oh, right. So what does he get? He gets an owl. And Hagrid picks it out for him. Yeah. So they get to Hogwarts. The, uh, well, actually, no, let's see. Are they at Hogwarts yet? No, they're staying at a hotel somewhere. They're right. staying at an inn. And he's got his books, and he's looking through them, and he picks out a name for the owl. Yeah. From one of the from one of the books. Remember what it is? Hedwig. Hedwig. Wig. Yeah, that's right. So, uh... You sort of just, like, put your head and a wig, put them together. <laughs> Hedwig. <Okay. laughs> uh, oh, you know what? No, they don't stay at a hotel. They go back to the Dursleys. Oh, they do? Yeah, that's the weird thing. I always forget that. They end up back at the Dursleys. They do actually have to... They don't mention it in the book, but they've got to rescue them from the the shack because they don't have any way of leaving. They took their boat. I don't remember that at all. It's not in the book. I'm just saying it has to happen because they, they took their boat. I mean, you know I've seen the movie too, right? It's not in the movie either. Oh. Actually, he doesn't He doesn't even go back to the Dursleys in the movie. They cut all this out. Okay. But uh, So he goes back to the Dursleys. And he has to convince them to take him to King's Cross Station. And what does he need to find at King's Cross Station? He needs to find um, where um, Platform 9 and 3 Corners is. And why does he need to find that? Because that's the only way you can get to um, the Hogwarts train. The Hogwarts Express, yeah. He's looking for the train that takes you to Hogwarts. Uh, King's Cross Station's in London, but where is Hogwarts? 
It's in England? Nope, it's in Scotland. Oh, yeah, that's right. I keep forgetting all this stuff. Yeah, so 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 they're both on the same sort of island, but it's uh, not a very big one. It's smaller than Texas, which is where we are. Uh-huh. But it still takes a few hours, at least, to take a train from England to Scotland. Yes, it does. Um, so he uh, he gets to the yeah. uh, train station, and he, he sees platform 9, he sees platform 10. But Did, he- he can't find platform nine and three quarters. So who does he see that gives him a little bit of uh, information? Um, Ms. Weasley. He sees the Weasley children. He sees this family, yes. and some of them are just running right through this wall. Mm-hmm. And Harry's like, what the heck is going on? <laughs> I mean, yeah. like, how do how are you doing that? Yeah, he, he, knows, he knows now that there is magic, but it, it's not really... And this is sort of a theme for at least the first half of the series. Even though he should expect the unexpected, he's still very surprised when it happens. But... Each, um, each new thing is still kind of a shock to him. I was going to say, like, um, you know, um, like, he... I'm trying to think of what to say to describe this best here. Um, like... When he sees them running through the wall, mm-hmm. he knows that there is magic going on, but he kind of doesn't know how it's um, like how it's happening. And he also doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't know how he's supposed to do it. I think he figures if I run into the wall, I'm just going to smash my head. Yeah, but pretty much any muggle would think. So you meet uh, Mrs. Weasley. Oh, uh, um, sh- what? But you also have to make sure. That no muggles are watching you as you run through the wall. Yeah, there's a little bit of that, and there's also sort of the idea that muggles don't pay attention to magical things anyway. Not really. So sometimes there's spells that make muggles ignore things. Like, just look away. They don't care. And then other times they just sort of ignore because uh, they don't want to see the magic in the world or whatever. So so yeah, they're they're running through the platform, and he, he meets the Weasley family. And uh, Mrs. Weasley says that, uh, you know, it's one of her son's first years as well. Uh She'll help him through. Yeah. And uh, who does he meet? He meets um, Ron Weasley, Fred Weasley, George Weasley, Percy Weasley, and Ginny Weasley. Yep. But she's not not going till next year. Yeah, she's too young. But uh, it's Ron's first year. Fred and George are a couple of years older, right? Mm-hmm. I think they're, like, maybe one or two years older. Percy's in his last year. Uh-huh. Or second to last year. I think it's, yeah, I th- yeah, it's second to last because he left Hogwarts in the third But I know he's a prefect now. What's a prefect? A prefect is, um, like, sort of half a teacher, half a student. Because, it's like an assistant to yeah, the faculty. Of, yeah, kind of, because he gets to tell people what to do and where to go and how to be safe. And Percy's the kind of guy that he's into power. He likes authority. He's kind of like, I'm the best person in the world. Don't mess with me. Uh, sort of. He's, he's yeah. less He's less about don't mess with me. He's more about listen to me because I have yeah, it's, authority to tell you what to do. I know. It's kind of hard to describe him. I, I didn't... Uh-oh. They're coming for us. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, never mind. <laughs> Um, well, anyway... Um, I don't know if that came over on the microphone, but there's a million sirens outside, so... I know. Go ahead. <laughs> so, anyway... Um, 
per, uh, it's kind of hard to describe Percy's personality. So His personality. <laughs> I know. Um, well, anyway, it's kind of hard to describe him because he's like kind of this and kind of that. And if you put them together, it's kind of weird. He's not a bad guy, but he's not really. maybe not going to be your best friend either. Nee. He, he's sort of going after um, a particular path uh, where he seems to be more interested in uh, getting respect through gaining power. And that, that might not lead to the best things for him, but we'll see. So he hops on the train. He's at least got a companion now. Um, he's got he's got Ron Weasley with him, and Ron seems to be a pretty friendly guy, right? Yeah, he um, and he's about the same age as Harry, um, and they have like um, they're kind of half friends, half not knowing who each other are. Yeah, they've just met, but they're they're willing to be friends at this point. And the uh, the lady comes by with a snack cart. Mm-hmm. And asks if they want anything, and what do we learn about Ron at this point? Uh, that he has a ton of money, right? And Ron can just buy anything that he wants. <laughs> no, not really. He, um, actually, their entire family is kind of poor. Yeah, they're 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 poor with money, uh, but they are they're all good people. Yeah. But uh, he's he feels kind of bad because he's he thinks he can't get anything. But um. Um, we said that Harry had, like, a fortune. Yes. Um, so he took a lot of his money with him. So he bought him and Ron some something to eat. He bought everything. Yeah, pretty... He, oh, yeah. He bought the entire right. cart. He just pulled out a handful of galleons and bought the whole cart. I know, and she was like, okay. And, <laughs> and so they've got, you know, probably a three or four hour ride, and they're just stuff in their face. Do you remember any of the, any of the magical candy they ate? Um, th- um, this is the point where Harry gets introduced to, um, the magical hopping frogs, and, um, um, there's, I think it's Betty's Every Flavor Beans. Uh, Birdie Bot's Every Birdie Flavor Bots. Beans. Yeah, it's Birdie Bot's. Mm-hmm. I knew it was something starting with B, but I couldn't remember. But all the flavors are great, right? Some of them are actually pretty terrible. Like what? Um... I did hear in one book that Dumbledore once tasted earwax and mm-hmm. throw up. Yeah, vomit. Yeah. <laughs> There's a, uh, I don't remember when, but Ron eventually gets a booger-flavored one. Right. Somebody gets grass, like uh, like grass or dirt or something. So, like, never pick the brown ones, never pick the green ones. Yeah, you never know. Uh, what flavor you're going to get. You may even taste wood. Yeah, there's 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 certainly non-food <laughs> flavors. Yes. Um, so an interesting thing for Harry here is that he has uh, never had anything of his own. And he's never been able to share. He's he's been sharing with Dudley, but it's never been his choice. Not really. So he seems to delight like, in having someone to share yeah. his things with now. What that like. Hey, you're a nice person. I, w- I want to share with you, and um, you're my and you seem and you seem to be a really nice guy. So um, maybe we can share with each other and actually like um, kind of be fair. Yeah, he says something like it's nice to have someone to share with. I think that tells you sort of uh, 
even if the the Dursleys had sort of tried to poison them with their with their uh, you know bad personalities, that it might not have worked because Harry instinctually wants to uh, share the good things in his life with the people that are nice to him. Harry also meets two new potential friends after he and Ron eat all of his uh, candy. Remember who that is? Hermione. Hermione he meets, Granger. It's Hermione Granger. She is uh, a muggle-born. Mm-hmm. Her parents are dentists. Mm-hmm. And uh, what what's her what's their initial appre- impression of Hermione? What do you mean by what, what what do they think of her when they first see her? Mm, that um, I think maybe that um, maybe you look nice. Um, and you seem like a good person to be friends with, but, um, you kind of look like you're kind of working all the time. She, they, they think she looks disheveled, which means her hair is all crazy. Kind of is. And, uh, and that she's very, uh, you're right, she seems very studious. She's kind of a know-it-all. Kind of. Which is a little bit off-putting to them at first. And, um, she's also maybe kind of bossy, too. Because she, uh, she's the one that tells them that the train's about to... They've only got a few minutes to put their robes on. And she's also very uh, surprised that Harry doesn't know more about his past or about the wizarding world in general. Because, like, she knows that Harry Potter should be a wizard, but he she's surprised that... Um, she doesn't, that he hardly knows anything about wizarding. Right. Like he didn't spend, she, even though she was born to muggles, she read so many books that she knows more about the wizard world than Harry does. Mm-hmm. And Harry's been in the dark, but oddly seems to not be that curious about the wizarding world because he still never really cared. He, he, no, he, throughout the whole series, Things happen to him, and he's interested in them, but he doesn't go out and seek knowledge. He doesn't He doesn't think, like, I bet there's a million spells that would make my life awesome, and he doesn't go learn them. He just sort of waits until things happen to him. He That's the odd thing about Harry. He's just like, okay, this thing happened to me. I'm surprised, and I want to figure out, um, oops, sorry, like, what, um, like, what this is, but I'm going to wait till the next thing that happens to me, and then I'll go figure it out or something. Yeah, he. whereas Hermione is curious in a way that has her uh, look up information ahead of time and learn more about the world at large, uh, Harry's sort of passive. He just kind of lets lets the world happen around him and... Just and like- let it go. His whole life is a mixture of amazing and horrible things happening to him all the time. So I, I feel like maybe he's he's a little scared to know more. He knows that there's tragedy in his past. Maybe he doesn't really want to know too what much ha- about that. Yeah. Like kind of what happened to him because it might scare him a lot and give him nightmares or something. Don't they also meet Neville at this point? I think they meet Neville on the train. I think... That he's either like across the hall from them, or like he's in the car with them. We'll we'll meet we'll meet we'll meet Neville for sure later. He's yeah. uh he's an interesting cat. So uh, Neville Longbottom. He also uh, runs into Malfoy again. Right. And what does Malfoy think about the uh, company that Harry's keeping on this train? Uh, 
kind of like maybe don't know what to think about this like well he says uh you'll soon find out that some wizarding families are much better than others potter you don't want to go making friends with the wrong sort and i can help you out there so what do you think he means by that i think he kind of means the entire opposite at the end because like he's saying I don't think he really wants Harry to die, but I don't think he really wants him to live either. Well, at this point, at this very point, uh, Malfoy wants Harry to be on his side because he knows he's famous. He knows that his family was pure blood. Uh, well, he knows that Harry's a pure blood. Yeah, because his family wasn't. But because uh, um, his mom. She was muggle-born, but she became a wizard. And knowing what, how, what the things that his family thinks are important, he probably also knows, which we'll learn later on, that Harry's father's family was very powerful and very important in the wizarding world. So uh, he wants Harry as an ally. And sort of in Malfoy's world, if you're not an ally, you're an enemy. There's, there's no in-between. There's no, like, you're a nice guy, but you're not on my side. You're still a good person. Right. He, he only wants friends and enemies. And his judgment of the people that Harry has made friends with is based on sort of superficial things. Like, why doesn't he like Ron? Uh, One reason. He's friends with Harry? No, he's poor. Oh. He doesn't like anyone who's poor. And why doesn't he like Hermione? Uh, She's... Oh, right. Um, she is a mudblood. Yeah, she's, well, and that's that's the insulting way of saying that she's yes. muggle-born. So, yeah. So, he's taken two superficial pieces of information and made all the decisions he needs to about these people without ever getting to know them. Like, uh, which is probably not the best way to make friends. No. He's also got two sort of friends with him. Do you remember who that is? Um, they're sort of like henchmen, Apple, actually. They're, they're like henchmen. What are their names? Um, Crab and Goyle. They go by their last names, too. Do you remember the uh, the word that I told you a couple of days ago for people like that? No. When you, when you have a bully, who surrounds a bully? No. Toadies. Toadies, that's right. Sycophants and henchmen and toadies. That's who that's who these people are. And so they, they don't really have their own identity. They just kind of They're kind of just like there. They, well they they follow Malfoy around yeah. and do his bidding. I know. And it's hard to describe them. So uh so they they the train gets there, they get their robes on, and uh how do they get to Hogwarts? They get there um, on the Hogwarts Express. No, I mean, once they get off the Express. Oh, right. Um, Hagrid, um, in the in the book at least, um, Hagrid um, lets everybody on a boat. Mm-hmm. Well, they get into little boats. Yeah, because um, I think it may take, like, maybe a few trips because there's a lot of people and it's a small boat. It's a lot of different boats. It's a whole fleet of small oh. boats. So the first years are the only ones that do this, though, because uh, they do this so that it takes them longer because everyone else is getting settled in and uh, getting ready for the feast. But the first years are the only ones that have to go through the sorting ceremony. Yeah, because they don't know what house they're going to be in. And so that's what we're going to start talking about on the next episode. 
Uh, but that brings us to an end, and I'll give you the quote from the, the end of this chapter. And the fleet of little boats moved off all at once, gliding across the lake, which was as smooth as glass. Everyone was silent, staring up at the great castle overhead. It towered over them as they sailed nearer and nearer to the cliff on which it stood. What do you think they thought when they saw this giant castle? Um, at night, I bet it kind of looked a little weird. I, I, I would bet they were very impressed mm-hmm. by sort of the the grandiosity of it all. It's a, it's a huge, you know, medieval-style castle, and they've never... Uh, well, you... Um, well, you showed me the picture, and kind of looks a little, like, dark and a little... You think maybe spooky? Well, not necessarily spooky, just, um, like, maybe surprising or something? Sure. One more thing in a, uh, a, a string of things that Harry's had to digest in the last couple of days that's probably beyond his ability to really comprehend at this point. He's got to take a lot in. And so when we pick up on our next episode, we're going to talk about uh, the the feast, the sorting hat, the houses of Gryffindor, the teachers. It's time, it's time to end the episode already? Oh, yeah. It's been an hour for sure. I still want to go on. <laughs> well, we'll do another episode and uh, join us for the next episode of Potter and Daughter. My name is Joel Watson. And my name is Lily Watson. If you enjoy this show, please check out our Patreon and become a patron at patreon.com slash hijinksensue. What do you think, kiddo? Good episode? Yeah. Great episode. This book is so awesome.